Welcome to the PAXX Podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 13 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? Hi, Mary. I'm doing well. I understand you've been doing some international traveling. Did you have a good flight experience? Uh, you know, um, I flew uh, to Madrid on United Airlines, and I have to say that the, they're they're using the 757 right. uh, out of Newark, and it was okay. It was okay. I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised that I had at least enough leg room to to stretch a little bit. Um, so I can't can't complain uh, in my normal way, Max. <laughs> and and in fact, in fact, because we're we're going to be talking food on this episode, um, they had a wonderful sandwich at the end of the flight. I was really impressed by. You know how they they kind of throw a hot pocket at you sometimes before you land. Sure. Um, I was I was really impressed by by this sandwich on United. So uh, so props to them. But um, but yeah, we were uh, very busy uh, in Madrid for the uh, IATA Cabin Operations safety conference uh, with some great news came out of it. Very good. We're going to talk more about that coming up, aren't we? Yes, absolutely. But before we get started, we'd like to thank Lumexis for sponsoring this week's podcast. Lumexis is widely known for providing its fiber-to-the-screen, fiber-optics-based in-flight entertainment on Fly Dubai 737s. It's also deploying the system on Turkish and Transera wide-body aircraft, and it recently reported that it is in line to get line-fit offerability at Boeing. So thank you, Lumexis. Now, it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Nick Lucas is an airline consultant who specializes in buy-on-board food and beverage programs. He's the author of the very popular website, InFlight Feed, and he has become truly the go-to expert for onboard dining. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you, guys, for um, having me today and for um, inviting me onto the show. Nick, I have to confess something. Probably the part of flying that I enjoy the most is the in-flight food. Now, I guess I have really low standards, but I don't know. I just always liked eating on the airplane. Yeah, that makes two of us. I, I try and, um, even if it's a really bad meal, I'll try and see the good in it. And I'll, um, so I do find it very exciting. I think just the way that Mary loves her in-flight entertainment, <laughs> um, I love my airline food. It's my in-flight entertainment. There you go. All right, well, let's get started and take a look at some of the top PAXX news stories making headlines. Let's start with the International Air Transport Association, IATA, who recently released some data that showed that in-flight incidents involving unruly passengers are on the rise. Now, Mary, at that IATA Cabin Operations Safety Conference that you attended in Madrid, was this a topic of conversation it was. In fact, um, all, this data came out uh, during a session um, showing uh, flight crew uh, trainers essentially how to deal with unruly passengers. So it was really quite fascinating. We were learning, um, and I was in on it, which was great. So we were learning how to restrain each other. Uh, <laughs> um, and during this kind of uh, workshop on, on passenger restraints, which you and I have talked about in the past, um, this data came out um, about the fact that airlines are seeing a, a rise in unruly passenger incidents. And um, it, it's pretty jarring. The rise has been quite significant year over year in, in terms of thousands more incidents. Now, IATA uh, is citing, or rather IATA Airlines are citing um, 
alcohol as a big driver, and so that's something we want to talk about today. But uh, uh, boozed up passengers um, uh, and and also drugs as as being a driver to some of these unruly passenger incidents, and also um, also uh, passengers with mental health issues. Um, so you know these are are big concerns, but um, but. F- it generated a tremendous debate on social media because as this as these stats came out suggesting okay this this problem is on the rise people were suggesting and quite rightly does it have anything to do perhaps with the fact that tensions are rising in flight the and uh, you know the seat situation is very very tight we're up against each other very closely a lot of people are having obviously a difficult time in, in the pre-flight experience where where it's 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 a pain in the butt and and they get on board that aircraft and maybe they've had a few drinks in the interim and and it it creates an environment uh, that is kind of, you know, fueling some of these uh, incidents. Um, What do you think, Nick? I mean, what do you think about the alcohol component, I suppose, would be would be the first step? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I actually actually wanted to ask you, um, Mm. did you, you you really restrained people at this conference? Well, we didn't actually break out the handcuffs, but they showed us the actual the the the, res, the way to restrain and the way to okay. get someone behind the arm, and then you loop your hand up behind their back and then you push them forward. I guess it's it's classic ways to restrain. It, it was fascinating because we we saw video of petite Singapore Airlines flight attendants being able to restrain, you know significant sized passengers so if you know i guess it's uh it's the basics of self-defense really um i suppose it's what they would teach you know women in self-defense classes but essentially how to restrain how to how to uh, get someone out of your way and 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 into those uh actually these little plastic handcuffs it was it was absolutely fascinating um so have you is that something you had to learn yeah, it takes me back actually to um, exactly about 10 years ago, I was going through training with um, Qantas in Australia. So we learned back then how to restrain passengers. I still vaguely remember how you do it, but I think it comes back to the alcohol and coming back. Um, I mean, in, in Australia, for example, you can't apply to be a flight attendant unless you've done what's called a responsible service of alcohol uh, pr- program, which is a full day. Um, so I think probably need to take it back a step and look at the way that the airlines are maybe training their crew and sort of telltale signs and how to sort of become familiar with uh, how to diffuse situations better so that they're not getting to the point where they're restraining people. Right, right. Well, that, that you're you're absolutely right that they mention that and they stress that that um, there's so many steps in before you get to the point of restraint. You know, um, there's keeping an eye out on on really the individuals that that may cause trouble, and then there's also um, you know really using your communication skills uh, to diffuse a situation. And and it was very very interesting because you you really only use restraint in, in you know when when you're pushed to the to the edge. You try to do everything else. Um, bar restraint, but um, but you know, so, uh, just on the restraint side alone, the suggestion was made that um, rather than divert an aircraft, um, that you fly on if your passenger is restrained, even if that passenger is screaming to high heaven. Um, the suggestion was made that most passengers would rather put up with that nonsense for a few hours and get to their destination versus having a, a diversion. Now, obviously, that's good news for 
airlines because they can save themselves a lot of money. I'm not entirely convinced all passengers would be comfortable in that situation, but um, it was it was a fascinating workshop without a doubt. It was also fascinating to learn that some airlines have no uh, restraint training for flight attendants. And that was a big eye-opener. Hmm. Certain low-cost carriers that will remain nameless. But, yeah, that's yeah, kind of a surprise. A, yeah. But I really wonder about what's the root cause. I mean, since almost the beginning, alcohol's been available on airlines, but what's different if the rate is going up of, of incidents of these, what's changed or what's causing it? I mean, are people drinking more or are people being served more liberally or, you know, what's changed? I think we need to look at the airport environment. You have obviously a lot of restaurants and bars now and people are getting to the airport earlier than in the past, you know, because they know that they have to clear through security and, um, you know, they might have more time then before their flight to sit down at the bar. And I ha- I've seen and, 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 and I don't know if you guys have seen the same, but. You know, I've witnessed clearly drunk uh, individuals sitting at airport bars continuing to be served and then heading off to their flight. And I've even seen, you know, certain people act kind of unruly at the bar and then still get served and, and then sayonara, they're, they're, they're off to catch their flight. It just, you know, I, I do wonder if we shouldn't be more proactive pre-flight hmm. with the alcohol. Yeah, makes sense. Well, speaking of alcohol, we saw that United recently backed down from a fairly controversial ban on booze for flight attendants. I mean, even to the extent uh, where, as I understand it, they were going to prevent flight attendants from uh, having alcohol in their uh, in their luggage. Uh, Nick, as a, a former crew member, do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I mean, um, I remember when I when I first, going back again to 2004, we were allowed to purchase stock from the aircraft if we were going to an overnight, and I think it was like a dollar per can, maybe a dollar per bottle of wine, small bottles, not the big ones, um, <laughs> but you, um, you were allowed to purchase them and, and drink them on the crew bus going into town. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but they stopped that about two years ago. After I started, you were allowed to purchase duty free. I always, I'm not really a big drinker, so I would buy for my friends um, duty free and bring it back. That was no problem. Um, I kind of see the point that they're trying to make, but at the same time, I don't think you can stop someone from wanting to purchase some duty free alcohol and have it in their bag or to buy a bottle of wine that they might not be able to get at home. I, I, I don't own drinking on the job, obviously. But um, I, I kind of see their point, but at the same time, I don't think, unless they're drinking on the job, which most crew aren't, I don't really think it was fair. I'm not sure what you guys think. Yeah, it, I mean, it was a, it was very controversial, and, and I think they were wise to, to back down. Um, I do find some great irony in the fact that the poor flight attendants want to have some alcohol after dealing with unruly passengers that are probably yeah. drunk in flight. And can you blame them, really? I have a whole new appreciation for flight attendants, really, after some of the coverage we've done and, and talking to airline guys uh, recently, just uh, what they have to put up with. But um but yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that really uh, we need to start respecting and empowering crew a little bit more. I, I think that we've gone too far, and in a, the low-cost carrier unbundled model has, in many respects, relegated flight attendants to kind of this, you know, uh, waiter, waitress in the sky. Um, you know, retail component has really slipped in, and we don't recognize that flight attendants are playing such an important role in safety. Look, I mean, some of these poor flight attendants are having to restrain. Uh, big, bulky, drunken, angry passengers. So, you know, I, I think that taking away some of their kind of basic rights to even purchase some duty-free alcohol 
friends or family or ultimately for themselves, I mean, just just doesn't make sense at all. Um, I, I think it, it's going in the wrong direction. How about you, Max? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think United might have gotten a little carried away with this. I mean, they certainly backed down quick enough. Less than 24 hours after the Association of Flight Attendants uh, made known their position on this, United uh, rescinded this. But United's in the process of trying to integrate uh, after the United and Continental uh, merger. And, you know, part of that is to uh, define some uh, shared common rules for uh, cabin crew, for flight attendants. And, and I think that just sort of in the process of doing that, uh, they, they kind of modified the, the rule that they already had in a way that just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh, I agree. I agree. But I'll tell you what, um, they are also trying to improve the passenger experience. And, and, and I'm sure you guys have read all the reports of, I mean, United is often, um, you know, really listed at the bottom of the barrel uh, when it comes to, you know, passenger contentment. And of course, their frequent flyers have been sounding the alarm for, for the last couple of years about how unhappy they are. Um, you know, the irony also with, with United having a friendly skies campaign, and, and, and some would argue that it's anything but up there uh, on their flights. Um, I can say, having just flown them, that um, I was impressed. I was impressed by the flight attendant's demeanor, and um, they were they were very, very nice. And um, in fact, and I wonder if this isn't something that we're seeing and, and perhaps a, a turnaround in terms of internal training, but recent flights that I've been on in the United States, the flight attendants have been very pleasant and very polite. And it's in contrast to some experiences that I've had, you know, in past years. And I wonder, you know, is the message coming down that, you know, you're, you're, you have to have good customer service and maybe that message is being driven home finally. Um, Nick, what was the kind of training back when you were, were a crew member? Uh, my first airline was a, a full service airline. So we, we had ooh, a good uh, probably two weeks of customer service training. <laughs> it was um, intense. Yeah. And then head over to the low-cost airline and you're lucky to get a day. So um, mm-hmm. very big contrast there. I'm not sure of the subject matter and the training syllabus that um, US-based crew mm-hmm. go through. It'd be interesting to see how much time they do allocate in their initial courses. But I think it's also really good to try and get crew back every year as well to do a bit of customer service training. But it's always about the uh, crew numbers and trying to get people on the ground into courses, which I think makes things really difficult. Hmm. In the recent Airline Pilot Guy podcast, there was a conversation uh, that uh, Captain Jeff had uh, with one of his listeners concerning uh, flight crew and, uh, and cabin crew and the respect that's you know kind of shown across them. Mm-hmm. And many were saying, many of the flight attendants were saying that they don't have the respect that they used to uh, used to get and how that affects the, you know, the work environment and all that. And I think one of the interesting things that Captain Jeff talked about was how the the flight crew has kind of a leadership role in, in setting the tone, uh, giving the, uh, the, the flight attendants not only their own respect, but also in the eyes of the passengers. And, and you know, I think it kind of ties into this uh, to this conversation that you know it's a they're in a tough spot the flight attendants their their primary mission is of course safety but a lot of the flying public doesn't see it that way they see it as like you said before Mary you know delivering the the can of soda 
Right, right. Well, and, and, and you know, just to kind of maybe further drive the point home for, for listeners, um, during this IATA Cabin Safety Conference, um, we learned of, um, gosh, a number of really interesting safety-related issues. Um, something we've reported on, on Roma Girl Network in the past, of course, is the uh, hazard of personal electronic device lithium-ion battery uh, fires, uh, these uh, Heads being crushed in seats. And in fact, Emirates' uh, head of safety uh, sounded the alarm on the problem, said that they, they're grappling with it in their premium cabins where these, these PEDs are, are, are slipping down in the seats, causing a fire hazard. And of course, flight attendants are the first line of response to that. And they have to now um, modify their training to deal with the, to deal with these incidents, which which I found fascinating. Another uh, I- issue that they deal with, and of course uh, is fire related, and, and Air New Zealand talked about it, is electrical fires, and and, and they they talked about an electrical fire that they had a, a couple years ago. Where they literally had to kind of pull sidewall off um, in the uh, in the bins and and try and access the fire and it was just you know you just really understand then you know what flight attendants have to deal with um, it, it was just such a fascinating conference but the fire hazards in flight are are pretty amazing when you think about the amount of power now used for the in flight entertainment and the in seat power systems and um, you've got you know some passengers charging up in premium cabins as many as three devices at a time. <laughs> um, on some of those seats, um, it, it creates some heat. <laughs> Quite a power draw. Some. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's interesting days. All right. Well, finally, uh, no commentary about the state of airlines is complete without taking a look at onboard dining. So a recent article in Quartz suggests that it's not really you. The airplane food is bad, and there's a reason for it. Uh, Nick, you're the expert on this. Why is traditional airline food considered bad by so many? And what are airlines trying to do to improve the situation? Um, firstly, before I answer that, I'd actually like, can I ask you guys a question? Mm-hmm. Can you remember in the last uh, three months, have you, have you actually eaten an airline meal in, in the last three months? Yes. Not I. Okay. Mary, how far back do you reckon you can go back to remembering uh, a really memorable one? I, I can just say my recent flight uh, to Madrid, um, it, the the meal on the way uh, f- from Madrid to Newark, they offered a, a chicken dish that was pretty nasty <laughs> so that's what that was memorable um but then they they kept, and then they rallied at the end of the flight with a really delicious little sandwich pocket so <laughs> made up for it why um the reason i ask is because most people like most people can remember the the last airline meal that they had but if i asked you what you had for dinner last tuesday mm. you'd probably look at me and go got no idea what I cooked or what I went out for or whatever. So, yes, it's bad. Airline food, you know, it can be shockingly bad. It's mass-produced, but it is quite memorable. And most people will remember and will always talk about whether it was good or bad, memorable. Um, they'll, they'll talk about it. But I guess it's bad because it's – look, I don't, I don't look at it as being bad. The reason why is because I've tried to educate myself over the last few years as to how my meal actually got there. And I always try and compare it to a, a sort of a wedding meal that you might have. Wedding meals or going to a wedding, the meals aren't usually any better. And that's kind of on the ground. Bad kind of comparison. But I think any kind of formal function that you go to, again, it's, it's that whole mass production thing. I'm not sure if you guys agree with me or not. 
um, it's quite difficult when you've got two, three hundred people coming to dinner and you need to satisfy every single person with the different dietary requirements and limited space that they have in their galleys and it's not really been cooked, it's just being reheated and it was probably cooked six months ago perhaps, depending on the airline and the caterer. Um, all those things and the fact that your taste, your sense of taste and smell are, I think, oh, maybe 20 30% lower in the air than they would be on the ground. So add that all together and you've got a pretty bad tasting meal sitting in front of you. What, what do you think about the idea of, because, you know, I remember the, the tasty sandwich. What do you think about the idea of airlines simplifying for, uh, in flight? And it, I, notwithstanding the, the first and business class cabins, but in economy, why not do something simpler where you, you focus on a really good sandwich versus doing this kind of whole meal affair where you got little chicken or pasta, you know, and it just, it's all coagulated and it's just not good. Why not focus on that? Or do people still have this anticipation that they are going to get kind of that proper dinner in flight? I, I think, um, I think people want, oh, maybe they don't. I mean, these are just my personal opinions, but I think people want that, that meal tray in front of them. Mm-hmm. It's nice having that tray in front of you. I think it's sort of different from getting maybe maybe a sandwich. I I tend to sort of like the airlines that can be creative, like WestJet a couple of years ago in Canada were doing the different uh, meals out of each city. So you were kind of eating from like big name Canadian restaurants or cafes, depending on the city you're flying out from. And that's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, and you, you guarantee that you're going to get a decent meal and okay it wasn't a full meal tray but it's something again that's sort of that memorable different meal right right it's interesting well of course you have also been very focused on the buy on board market uh, which has exploded of course not just with low-cost carriers but also with uh, short and medium haul carriers uh, in throughout europe and of course, uh, buy on board is in the United States and elsewhere. Um, what type of trends are you seeing? Is it that kind of uh, that, that kind of branded food uh, sort of trend that we're seeing in terms of you know you get on Fly Dubai and you get kind of a a coffee and a coffee cup that feels like you're you're at a Starbucks or something like that? Is that is that really the trend right now? Depends on the airline, and unfortunately, it depends on budgets. Mm. Um, some airlines will stick to having kind of, you know, shelf-stable products on board so that they have zero wastage. And others will throw on as much fresh food and give you so many options that you don't know what to order in flight because there's just so much. Mm. And they kind of don't care about the wastage as much. They want you to have a great in-flight experience. So the the trends, I guess, um, a lot of airlines are going pre-order now. So it's not just your business and first-class uh, that can do their chef on call and uh, and that sort of thing and pre-order the, the, whatever they want to eat. Um, economy passengers can do it now as well. And you're seeing more and more airlines. I think uh, Finnair is the latest uh, airline here in Europe that's doing a pre-order meal. Mm. Uh, people like Aer Lingus doing that awesome Irish breakfast. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's some really good options out there. Uh, pre-order is huge and I think it's only going to get bigger because – for the airlines, there's zero wastage again because you're ordering it. They don't make it available on board. So there's no loss for them if there's zero wastage, basically. And if you've ordered a pre, if you've pre ordered your meal, uh, you're one of the first to get it then, right? Because they hand out the pre ordered first before they take the trolley down the aisle. Is that, isn't that right? Yep, start, that's yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly right. 
I think that's a nice aspect of it. <laughs> Although, you know, I can understand the efficiency of the pre-order, but in some ways, I don't know, it kind of, it can lessen the experience for the passenger. I mean, I, when I'm sitting in the seat and I'm handed a menu and I have all these choices and I can spend some time looking through it and deciding, not only does it take up time, which is usually what you're trying to kill on the flight anyway, but it kind of gives you a sense that, you know, you're being treated a little bit. You're being, you know, catered to a little bit. So I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the uh, the choice. The other part of it is that uh, when the meal has some complexity, little things that need to be buttered or things opened mm. or unwrapped and, you know, all of that kind of thing. There again, it, it kind of it kind of gives you something to do. But it also makes you feel a little bit more, you know, pampered, perhaps. I don't know. Does that make sense, Nick? Yeah, it does. It definitely does. It's, it's falling back to that, what I said earlier about it being your in-flight entertainment, sort of playing with your food right. like a small child, keeping yourself entertained during the flight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, actually. You, you know, you are right. I, there is something nice about those little packets, you know, especially the little cheeses and the little crackers and the, yeah, I, I see it. I see it. It's like Couple- having a tea party. <laughs> you know, your, your dolls and you're like a little kid or the those scones that's what i like or those when they do and i i'm trying to think if Air Lingus still does it but you know you get the scone and you get the jam and the clotted cream and you're kind of creating your own little yeah yeah i just had that on ba a couple of weeks ago that was nice yeah, no, it's good stuff. It's good. All right. Well, fair enough. We won't we won't we won't bash the airline food then too much. Um, well, we're rapidly coming to a close here, but we'd like to thank our listeners. And remember, you can find us online at runwaygirlnetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at, at @runwaygirl. And remember to use the Paxix hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. I can tell you, having uh, just been on the PaxX hashtag that it is getting really, really exciting. Um, We have people from all over the world now using the hashtag and uh, a number of organizations and even some airlines. It's exciting stuff. Oh, and aircraft designers, um, interiors designers, and uh, foodies, including in-flight feed here. It really is quite exciting, Mary, because yeah, I use Hootsuite for my Twitter and I have a whole column where it's just uh, the PaxX hashtag. And like you say, there's an ongoing conversation there it's very active and it's it's very interesting so, oh i'm so glad it move. took off oh thank you i'm so glad it's taken off it's exciting of course and it makes it easy as well when you're trying to cover the industry you can go right to that hashtag and see all the latest stories and oh gosh i have to say selfishly it makes my job as a paxx journalist a little bit easier <laughs> <laughs> but um i'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor lumexis and i'd like to thank nick lucas for being our guest nick where can listeners find you at uh, the usual, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, just look for in-flight feed. And, of course, you've got a, a great website that's newly redesigned, right? Yes, of course. Oh, I totally forgot about that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> www.inflightfeed.com. It's growing by, day by day, so I'm trying to add as many airlines in there that are doing great things. And also, are, are passengers able to provide reviews of their services? Yes, they can now. Okay. Um, I'm accepting sort of any kind of reviews that people want to share. All they have to do is just go to inflightfeed.com forward slash share. Um, there's a few kinks in it, but working through it. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, that'll be fantastic to watch as time goes on and see what kinds of things are important to people when it comes to uh, in-flight food. Exactly. All right. Well, join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.